BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Over the weekend, some self-driving cars, aka autonomous vehicles, aka robo-taxis, got themselves into another little pickle in San Francisco's North Beach neighborhood. What the fuck? There's like 10 of them right Several of these self-driving cars were just chilling in the middle of the road, blinkers on, blocking all kinds of traffic, apparently because of connectivity issues caused by the Outside Lands Music Festival. And the thing is, people have feelings about whether these self-driving cars are safer than human drivers. And whatever happens, there's no doubt that we're going to continue hearing about these things. Because California regulators just gave the go-ahead for companies to put an unlimited number of these robo-taxis on the roads in San Francisco. Today, the debate over self-driving cars. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. So I pass by a cruise fleet every single day. Ida Mojadad is a reporter for the San Francisco Standard. I see it on my way home, on the way to work, everywhere in between. They're, they're everywhere, really. But it's still just a very weird sight, even though they've been pretty dominant on the streets this whole year. It's it's still new and weird. I think I, I probably fall in that um, weirded out <laughs> bucket. Um, but I mean, how long have people been talking about these robo-taxis? How long have they been, like, I guess, driving around San Francisco at this point? So the two that are in San Francisco, Cruz and Waymo, have been able to operate and test driverless in the city since about last summer. But they've been really noticeable this whole year, especially in the spring, as, you know, certain conflicts have emerged and more people have been able to take them. They have wait lists for them, but they have tested, trusted passengers. 
So as more people have been able to take them and and uh, there's just been more run-ins with them, they've been really noticeable this this whole year. And you mentioned Cruise and Waymo, these two big companies behind these driverless vehicles. Can you tell me about those companies? I know I know this idea has been a techie dream for a while. Sure. So Cruise is owned by General Motors and Waymo is uh, run by Google's parent company known as Alphabet. A lot of companies have invested in this technology. Billions have been poured into it. But these are the two that are currently in San Francisco and now able to carry people without a driver. I mean, what is with these companies' obsession with driverless cars? Like, why are they putting so much effort into expanding these fleets? I think essentially they see it's the way of the future. They are very enthusiastic about how transformative it can be for people. Their frequent, you know, arguments for it is that it can provide safer streets because they they say that they drive safer than humans and that they have an electric fleet, so it will help reduce emissions. But essentially, they see it as being the future. We see San Francisco as a, a litmus test for the commercialization of robo-taxis. Kyle Vogt is the CEO of Cruise, and he's been pretty vocal and active about his company and shared excitement to to expand, um, not just in San Francisco, but cities across the country, and to do it quick and aggressively. You know, the rate of expansion has been pretty impressive, and this is not because we're, we're going, you know, just... just uh, going wild here, it's actually because the AV system itself is improving so quickly. And so even just a couple weeks ago uh, on the GM earnings call, I said we were at about 10,000 rides per week. Um, This last week, it was 15,000. A lot of people have been talking about these driverless cars. They've been on the roads in San Francisco. What have they been allowed to do up until now? So Waymo has been able to drive around with these cars for all hours of the day, and Cruise has been able to do it during certain hours, mostly at night. But both of them essentially have not been able to charge people without a safety driver present. And that was the biggest hurdle to you know, expanding their, their business operations, essentially. Prior to the vote, Waymo had 250 vehicles in the city with about 100 in operation. Cruise has about 400 uh, with 300 operating at night as of last week. Well, I I know uh, a really important commission just made a huge decision about uh, expanding these fleets in San Francisco. Can you remind us what the CPUC is and what was that meeting about exactly? The California Public Utilities Commission is, in this case, tasked with weighing passenger safety in these autonomous vehicles known as robo-taxis. And they already approved these, you know, initial permits that allow them to operate on the streets. And now they've just made a big decision to let them operate and charge people, uh, saying that they met the requirements that were asked of them in the first place. I know that there were people who are both for and against these robo-taxis at this uh, California Public Utilities Commission meeting. 
I know these companies, of course, are huge proponents of these, but who else was coming out in favor of robo-taxis? So some big supporters are some street safety advocates, but also a lot of uh, groups that advocate for blind people. As a blind woman, I am here fully to support autonomous technology. They seem to be very enthusiastic about it. They've already been, you know, in talks with these companies. Not only has being a Waymo tested rider provided me with a level of independence that I have never been able to experience before, it has provided me with a feeling of safety that I've never had before. Not all disability advocates agree, but they seem to be the most enthusiastic about this. Uh, and then there's also a union, SEIU, that was also in favor of this because they have been assured by one of the companies that they will be union jobs and their members need jobs right now. We already represent workers within Cruise Spaces. Cruise is one of the few tech companies in San Francisco that is celebrating the fact that they want to stay in San Francisco and operate in San Francisco. And right now we need to be able to celebrate those opportunities. There's also this group, Safer Roads for All, which is actually affiliated with the companies. What, what's their deal? Who are they? They are more of a campaign that brings together tech industry groups, but Waymo is, a, uh, is the only actual company behind that. So these tech industry groups are advocating to let this technology move on. And, uh, you know, they, they, the groups behind these have, you know, been an, advocating for anything from just general tech industry things to specifically autonomous vehicles. But essentially, they are tech groups. How would you maybe summarize, Ida, what it is that people like about these robo-taxis? In essence, I think it's the convenience of being able to get from point A to point B. Uh, autonomous vehicles represent a route to safer roads. Without driving themselves, without dealing with parking, and without having a person in the vehicle, maybe there's more privacy. Uh, as a woman who frequently needs to take rideshare or public transportation on a regular basis, and especially during evening hours, I feel much safer in knowing that I'm riding in a judgment-free, discrimination-free, fear-free vehicle, rather than one that you nervously navigate. There's a novelty, and until last week, uh, it had to be free when there was no driver. I encourage the panel to please embrace this technology that our city and region have long been renowned for. Thank, Thank you for you. your time. So, I, I mean, there's been a lot of excitement, I know, around these, but there have also been some really strong feelings about them too. Who is coming out against these robo-taxis? The most vocal opponents of a large expansion of these vehicles are essentially human drivers, those who drive Uber and Lyft and taxi cabs. Yo soy un padre de familia de cinco hijos, tengo a quien mantener, y esto nos va a quitar la fuente de trabajo y entonces a dónde vamos a ir a parar. I'm raising five children. As the driverless cars expand, they're going to take away the work from us, and I have five children. As well as some disability advocates who feel like this really just isn't ready for them. People with more, like, physical disabilities, they're in a wheelchair. The concern is that we, we don't yet have an agreement on what accessibility looks like. How do folks like myself, who are full-time wheelchair users, enter and use and exit these vehicles safely? 
City officials from departments of first responders, transportation agencies, and, you know, Mayor London Bree, the board of supervisors president, Aaron Peskin, are really not for an immediate big expansion. They're urging more of an incremental approach, but there's also not a lot that they can do to to stop that. And I know there's also a, a lot of safety concerns from firefighters and also police and also first responders. Can you describe some of those incidents for us? Now to an autonomous car that got stuck for hours today on San Francisco Street. Uh, this is the latest incident. So the fire department has tallied over 50 incidents this year where they have been blocked from doing their job because one of these vehicles, you know, stopped. Maybe it's overreacted and just didn't want to run into anything. It's hard to say exactly. Firefighters describe driverless cars rolling into fire scenes, running over hoses, even having to break windshields to stop a vehicle. It's meant that sometimes these firefighters, while they're, you know, trying to respond to a fire, are stuck babysitting a robo-taxi for a, a roughly half an hour, which is not what the robo-taxi companies themselves say happens. But it's, it's been noticeable enough to interfere with their jobs. I'm not anti-technology. What I am is part of safety. The San Francisco Fire Department chief is Janine Nicholson, and she has been pretty vocal that it's not their job to babysit these cars. Every second can make the difference. If you are blocked by uh, an autonomous vehicle, a fire will double in size in a minute. That could lead to um, referring to the people in that building. It is the job of these companies to stay out of their way and train their cars to stay out of their way. And that the training that first responders have received so far from the companies, they say doesn't match what's actually happening on the ground. But what would have really helped would have been a two-way conversation several years ago. It's been a one-way conversation up until very recently. And ultimately, she feels that the transparency has been lacking, the collaboration has been lacking, and that it just overall needs to stop interfering with doing the business of saving lives and people's homes. It's the unpredictability, the obstructions, and the lack of working with us is really, um, it is really a problem. They're still not ready for time because of how they have impacted our operations. And, um, you know, I... I and Ida, I, I feel like I also have to ask you about the, the cones that are being put on these robo-taxis, sort of as a form of protest. What are those about? So over the summer, uh, it was another noticeable aspect of these cars is that has been that there's been some activists who were placing cones on them. Marking autonomous vehicles as traffic hazards. The group Safe Street Rebels is placing cones on Cruise and Waymo cars as a way to temporarily stop them. Them, it, you know, would basically make them not go anywhere and have to be retrieved by the companies. It, you know, there's even been some, like, reports that a firefighter has done that too to, to prevent them from interfering further. Uh, but the city does not condone it. And uh, it's it's just the most visible sign of resistance to this technology and uh, some of the havoc that people say it's been bringing. In terms of what's next, um, I do want to ask you about the commission vote. 
Um, I know they ultimately approved this new permit for robo-taxis. Can you explain how they came to that vote? So Commissioner Genevieve Sharoma was one of the four commissioners who was urging caution, saying they're not ready for prime time as well, and that they just need more time to really understand the data, too, from these companies and from the city. Because of this insufficient record, I believe it is premature to vote to approve these resolutions today. Instead, the resolution should be held or withdrawn so that Cruz and Waymo have the additional time to explain... The other three commissioners voted in favor for saying that they met the requirements that were asked of them, that they can always add more restrictions later. And one of the commissioners, Commissioner John Reynolds, was a little bit more enthusiastic about them. Today is the first of many steps in bringing AV transportation services to Californians and setting a successful and transparent model for other states to follow. He actually used to be general counsel for Cruz, uh, but did not have to recuse himself because enough time had passed. Commissioner Reynolds said that, you know, he's able to advocate for both, you know, the people of California and can see what this technology does, essentially. Commissioner John Reynolds? Yes. Commissioner Houck? Yes. Commissioner Sharoma? No. President Alice Reynolds? Yes. The vote is 3-1. The item passes. All right. I will now. Well, you mentioned this means there's going to be a huge expansion of these fleets in San Francisco. But I mean, I definitely have not seen one of these uh, robo taxis where I live in Vallejo. But I mean, with this vote, does that mean that we could see them possibly expand to other cities? This vote is specific to San Francisco, but there are many other companies that are doing testing in the Bay Area both on the peninsula and other places. So people in the Vardo area will probably see these around as more companies continue to test and seek more approvals. Waymo and Cruise are going to be more dominant in the city itself, but everyone's going to be seeing them more in the future, that's for sure. Well, I mean, Ida, this for some reason feels like such a... <laughs> San Francisco story. What do you think this debate says about where San Francisco is at right now? Well, San Francisco is kind of once again the testing ground for a lot of this emerging technology. We saw it with Uber and Lyft. That was our biggest example. And this time, city officials are really not wanting to be the guinea pigs. But for other people, it's really exciting to be the first ones to do this. And to see the, you know, get that first access to a glimpse into the future, a little bit of the Jetsons, people compared it to. So there's kind of this split in excitement and trepidation about where this leaves the city. But once again, the this, this city is seeing it before many others. Well, Ida, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you.
That was Ida Mojadad, a reporter for the San Francisco Standard. This 28-minute conversation with Ida was cut down and edited by producer Maria Esquinka. It was pitched by senior editor Alan Montesilio, who added all the tape. This episode was scored by me. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. The Bay is a production of member-supported KQED in San Francisco. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.